Welcome back, fine townsfolk, to another episode of Random Encounters. I am Nick. I'm Matt. And we are here again with another random monster from a random monster manual. This week we are in monster manual number one from Dungeons & Dragons 3.5. Matt, two weeks ago we were talking about the Lurking Strangler. Mm Mm-hmm. And I said that the name reminded me of that thing with the long arms that would, like, grab you by the neck, and it kind of lurked up in the, the corners of rooms and doorways. And we could not, I could not for the life of me figure out what it was. I couldn't remember, and I didn't know how to look it up. Yeah. Well, I went up to the library, and my personal D&D library, and found it. I found it. I looked in just the, the base book because I knew it was kind of a classic. Oh, okay. Yeah, that is the Choker. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, like like third rate D and D bad guy. I think. I think it's it's. Yep. For those of us who have been in it long enough, it's it's iconic enough that that you would just like your reaction. You're like, oh yeah, oh yeah, that thing. Yeah. So this is the Choker. The Choker is a small aberration. I was I always went under the uh, the assumption that they were medium, but they're they're actually small. Okay. They are a challenge rating of two. A creature perches in the shadows near the ceiling in a corner of the chamber. Its body resembles that of a naked halfling with mottled flesh. Good good imagery there. But its limbs are incredibly spindly and long. It hisses, showing sharp, large teeth an instant before one of its limbs snaps out like a whip. So this bad boy is found in the underground environment, obviously. It is solitary. They have... Lightning reflexes, stealthy, and improved initiative for feats, which makes total sense. Yep. Bonuses to climb, hide, and move silently. Dark vision, 60 feet. They have improved grab and constrict. Two tentacle attacks. A grapple. So everything that you would expect on this little bugger. These vicious little predators lurk underground, grabbing whatever prey happens by. A choker's skull, spine, and rib cage are bony but its limbs are really tentacles with multiple knobby joints of cartilage. Thus, it appears bow-legged, and its movements seem peculiar and fluid. Its hands and feet have spiny pads that help the choker grip almost any surface. The creature weighs about 35 pounds and speaks undercommon. So it speaks. So it's, it's a... it's sentient. Yeah, relatively intelligent. Yeah, A choker likes to perch near the ceiling, often at intersections, archways, wells, or staircases, and reach down to attack its prey. A choker attacks creatures of almost any size, but prefers lone prey of its size or larger. If one is very hungry, it may attack a group, but it waits to grab the last creature in line. Chokers are greedy. Quick-thinking characters who spot one before it attacks might be able to bribe a choker with food and question it about the area around its lair. That's cool. Yeah. Again, one of those, like, I just thought this was a wild, feral, just killing machine. But you you could, assuming you speak undercommon, you you could talk to this thing and, and, and avoid a fight. Uh, figure out information that could be in the area. That's neat. That's a good touch, because just by default, as a as a player, if I see one of these things, I think, oh, we're gonna have to fight this. Oh, for sure. 
Yeah. You know, it just goes to show that even for things that look like straight up monsters, maybe, maybe combat is not the first. Combat doesn't have to be the first go-to. True. And it also just kind of further illustrates what we were talking about last week with the fact that diplomacy can be used all the time. I mean, last week was easy because it was a, a lawful good creature right, yeah. that just wanted to to point you in the direction of the bad guys. Mm-hmm. But your first instinct doesn't always have to be fighting, right. no matter what. I mean, it could be the, the choker. It could be a dragon that you would assume is the end boss. Right, yeah. Who knows what you can bargain and what what the toss-up will be, what the the give-and-take will be. So maybe maybe if you end up being a minion for the dragon for for 20 years, that's better than being eaten alive. I don't know. I mean, that seems a bit drastic, but, but you, you know, it's, it's as a player, I know, I know a lot of players out there just love to go in swinging and I, I get it. I totally yep. get it. But my, my characters are always, even if charisma is my dump stat, my, always, my characters are always, a pathetic attempt at charismatic because I, I try to talk, talk it out. And, and I just think, I think, I think those exchanges are more fun than I'm going to go, go hit that thing with my sword. Especially because you're going to be in a group nine times out of 10. So you're going to have at least one or two of those people that want to go in swinging. So you definitely bring a balance to that. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, and and if the full party wants if you know as the DM that your party is going to constantly, like that is their prerogative, they, they, that is their, their goal, they just want to go in and, and hack and slash, that's fine. Build your encounters around that. That makes total sense. And don't get, don't get terribly upset if you've built an RP encounter around this and they end up killing the thing because you, as the DM, on top of needing to know literally everything else, you need to know your party makeup and not only the classes that make up your party, but the, the players as well. Yeah, for sure. So because this thing looks like a nude little halfling, I feel like we can, aside uh, instead of being that medium size that I always had in my head, I feel like you can you can wedge him in other spaces or, or smaller spaces rather. Oh, yeah. You know, he fits he fits in tighter corners. It doesn't look like he has reach. I would expect his his arms to be a little bit longer, but he doesn't actually have a reach. Is that just because he's small? Maybe I guess. Yeah, small and me- so he's he just takes up a medium square. I guess. Yeah. Oh, that's nice. His constrict ability it deals a d3 plus three points of damage with a successful grapple check against a large or smaller creature. So being s- being small, he can grapple a large. He can grapple up to a large. That's crazy. Yeah. Wow. That's what those those grippy little fingies do. Because it seizes its victims by the neck, a creature in the choker's grasp cannot speak or cast spells with verbal components. Jeez, so very first thing, just hands on the neck. You grab that last person in line, assuming it, it goes off without a hitch, that person is not crying for help. Not crying for help. If it's the wizard, he's not casting a spell, yeah. at least one that, that requires verbal components. Yeah. Hopefully he's got a dagger that he can sink into this thing's arm or or cut away at a finger 
while it's lifting him into the air. Jeez. Yeah. That's cool. That's a nice little touch. Yeah. This thing's a lot cooler than I initially thought it yeah, was. Yeah, it's it's not just a, a lurker in the shadows. It's got a little got a little extra something to it. Exactly. So it's it's also has improved grab. It can start a grapple if it hits a large or smaller opponent with a tentacle attack, it can attempt to start a grapple as a free action without provoking an attack of opportunity. Okay. If it wins the grapple, it establishes a hold and can constrict, which we just heard. Chokers receive a plus four racial bonus on grapple checks, which is already included in the stats block. Okay. They get a plus eight racial bonus on their climb checks and can always choose to take 10 on climb checks, even if rushed or threatened. Wow. That's basically mechanically saying you get to climb for free. Yeah. Because even if they're rushed or threatened, if we look at that chronologically, you obviously can't take 10 minutes to do that. But the phrase to take 10 means that you you take your time and are able to succeed without needing to make a roll. Exactly. Yeah. And they can just do this on whenever they want. Yeah. And no matter what. for those of you not familiar with three, five, take 10 means to take 10 minutes. And it's it's generally applied to a skill. It's a lot like a, a, a ritual. Now in 5e, you can cast a spell as a ritual, but it would take 10 minutes and, and you, you you wouldn't be spending a spell slot. Certain certain spells have that ritual aspect. But to take 10 is like, well, I want to say, again, you're not being rushed or threatened. I'm I want to climb up that cliff face. DM says, okay, I mean, DC's not too hard, but you're going to have to make an athletics check. Wizard says, my athletics is absolutely terrible. Can I take 10? Meaning you're not going to succeed in the the six seconds of a turn, but you don't have to roll for it. You are literally taking 10 minutes in game to to do this. Yeah, so presumably the rest of your party is up there in what 30 seconds right, in yeah. terms of game time just rolling and they're just standing there waiting for you as you look at this cliff face and find the exact like daredevil-esque you're looking for the exact handhold and foothold it's because no one thought to bring rope that's why i hope everybody learns a lesson from that <laughs> having to take 10 minutes generally though when you when you're taking 10 it's not detrimental you know if the DM says, okay, well, everybody's going to wait up top here for 10 minutes. It's, okay, you just say everyone waited 10 minutes. It's not like you're going to have to wait the 10 minutes. Exactly. And then you get to the top and it's a slaughter. Everybody's dead. And then the wizard just pokes his head up over the... Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Turns out there was a choker there waiting. There are low-level weenies, level two. So you got to get your players underground early. Not that difficult. Not at all. You know. No. Not at all. Dungeon crawl is part of the the inherent makeup of Dungeons and Dragons. And there are so many different, bigger, badder creatures that you could easily start an entire campaign. Sure, right. And, leave it and and little guys too. Yeah. Spurf neblin, albino gnomes, things like that. I just made up that other one, but should be, you know, like gnome, gnomes that have living underground for so long they don't have their eyes are useless and they start to steam in sunlight. That kind of thing. Very golem esque. Kind of, yeah. Yeah. That brings up a good point, though. You could very well use this thing like Gollum. Oh, yeah. If it is sentient enough to be able to communicate, say you keep feeding this thing, it'll guide you through these tunnels to get to 
Menzo Baranzin or the, the mother brain or whatever for the... Mind flayers. Mind flayers. Thank you. My God. Obviously, you don't trust this thing. You need to set a, a watch every time, but it will, it will guide you if you keep feeding it and maybe it likes riddles. You're offering it enough to, to keep it with the party, offering its services, and really just the threat of someone being around and awake is what is protecting you. If this is clearly a loose cannon and you do not trust it. The alignment is usually chaotic evil, so <laughs> you you yeah. you don't you don't want to trust this thing with anything. Exactly. But putting them in that situation, that that's a, a cool aspect. Oh yeah. That's a cool that's a, a cool situation to throw them in. And because it speaks under common, I'm assuming if anyone in your party speaks under common, it's like one person. I would imagine, yeah. So if that's the case. It's even more awkward and risky when that person is asleep and it's not their watch. And then the rest of the party has to kind of quietly deal with this thing that is is chittering at them or speaking to them in an undercommon and they just can't respond. You have no idea what this thing is trying to say. That's risky, too. Maybe it's saying there there is a roper sliding down the the sidewall or or a party of hook horrors. But you don't know. It just looks threatening and, and, and wibbly-wobbly with its arms. Yeah, I like that. I just I like just the general idea of your NPC doesn't necessarily have to be a random townsperson or just someone that is inherently good. Yeah, this is one of those instances where the party's not going to fall in love and want to keep the NPC around when they're, when the use is gone. I don't know if that's necessarily true. <laughs> I guess it on depends the party, on, I guess. Depends on the party and depends on the DM's depiction. That that always that's the the instigator of that is how likable do you portray it? Exactly. Yeah. I mean there's there's the people that really liked Gollum and wished he hadn't killed himself, you know, jumping for that ring, and then there's the Gollum truthers. That he didn't kill himself? They just no, they Oh, <laughs> they were glad that he killed himself. They they oh, wished oh. that, you know, the Frodo had run him through with Sting way earlier and just hopped on an eagle and gone to Mount Doom. And the movie was like 45 minutes. I was going to say seven hours ago, they wished they had killed Gollum. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, I think I think we all wish that. No, the, those movies were good. The, the Hobbit movies were ugh, not that great. So, yeah, I think that is aside from just initial shock experience of this thing Mm -hmm. i particularly love the idea of the last person in line getting scooped up love that idea because that takes out a member of the party that is a serious like oh crap moment and how long do they go without noticing how do you what do you do there? Do you say uh, a pan falls out of the wizard's bag and, and clatters down? Because generally, at least in my experience, generally parties aren't making a whole lot of small talk as they walk through an underground dungeon, an underground like cave system. So it's not like all of a sudden the wizard isn't responding. Yeah, that was going to be my question to you, actually, is what? how long do we go? I guess wow. a, just a general perception maybe have the choker 
even though it has incredibly good stealth. I wonder, does it have a sleight of hand? It really should. No, it doesn't. <laughs> sleight of tentacle. Have it roll a stealth and base that off of their their passive perceptions, but I mean, there is a good chance that's going to fail. Yeah. So what's what mechanic do you use? How do you make it so they can potentially notice and rescue the wizard? Or do you throw it in the wizard's hands and have him try to do something? Basically roll initiative between those two. Well, I think you could do that. And see, the problem with being a DM is you want to make the story or make the encounter give that enough where you're giving, in this case, the wizard agency, but not allowing him to die. So I know it's, it's one D three plus one. I think I said no plus three. The ch- so the choke is one D three plus three. A wizard at level two is going to have maybe 10. I was going to say low double digits, right? Low 10, 15, if we're lucky, depending yeah. on where they put their con. But also, I remember the magic system in, in 3.5 is unforgiving. So he probably only has a spell or two oh, yeah. for the day. That's it. Maybe a couple cantrips, but I don't know. I don't even remember cantrips existing in 3.5. I could, my memory of magic in 3.5 could be a little tainted because it was so difficult to understand. Yeah. So maybe maybe there are in there, but I, I think presumably they haven't popped their spells for the day. And as the DM, I think I would time it so they do have the opportunity to be using their spells. For sure, as long as there's no verbal component to them. Right, that's true. Be having such a limited catalog to pull from. Yeah. They may not have anything without a verbal component. But that being said, because they their spell selection is so limited and and their their number is so limited, they should definitely have a dagger on them. Maybe their spell focus is a staff so they can use that too. So there there will be other aspects that they can use hopefully. Correct. I was thinking along the lines of if they're not confident in their ability to attack this creature and actually do damage enough to get it to let them free then i like the the frying pan idea where maybe they just take something and they just throw it on the ground to make a noise yeah yeah that would be probably not the dagger because you'd want to be like hacking away at the at the hands yeah while the others turn yeah but even a staff, it, particularly in a sound dampened, echoey cavern, a, a clattering staff that is dropped from what, like 10, 15 feet, will make a noise. Oh, absolutely. That you don't really even need to have a perception roll or a passive perception check. Oh, yeah. Because I would imagine that that would be good enough where you can just say, you guys are walking and from behind you, 10, 15 feet, you hear the clatter of. Of wood on stone. Yeah, which would be so unexpected and unusual, it would most certainly draw attention. It's not a common sound that you'd be hearing down here. Unless you have a really clumsy wizard who is always dropping his staff. Oh my god. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, the player built that into their character, and they did not know what they were setting themselves up for. (laughs) No, no, that would be funny, though. That's... Oh man, so so that character has just set themselves up for failure right from the start. All all verbal spells, very clumsy, 
no dagger, no cook pots or anything, wears cloth everything, can't even kick off a boot because he's wearing like slippers. Oh boy. Nothing. Yeah. Half an hour later, the the party turns around and decides to take a, a water break and the wizard is gone. Yes. He is long dead. Yeah. Oh, which actually, now that I think about it, I would love this thing to be working in conjunction with a greater big bad. And assuming all the roles, you would you give everybody opportunity to do a perception, do whatever. But you do the, the old like pass notes to the, the last person in line and okay. you communicate with them. And they make their roles and they push it back to you and and they you find out that that person in line, like you've been plucked up, you're knocked out. You don't know what's going on. You're out of the party right now. You could be dead. You don't know. And then a half an hour later, the rest of the party turns around. So you don't you don't give the party the opportunity to even subconsciously meta that this last person in line is missing. Gotcha. Yeah, that's, hmm. That would be the way to go for sure. How would you do it if, if there was a, a, a combat with this choker, would you just tell the rest of the party, listen, you guys don't hear a thing. Just continue on. Oh, combat with, with the wizard you're the saying? Wizard, with, wizard with and choker. Yeah. Up? If you were just going to do more than just a snatch and grab, like, would yeah. you just tell them, listen, this is, you guys can't meta this. This is happening behind you and you don't hear it. Maybe have them have them leave the room. Take a, Have them physically leave the room. Take a break. Roll it out with the wizard because it won't take long. <laughs> it won't. I mean, between between the D3 plus three. Yeah. And the choker only has 16 hit points. Okay. So, yeah, you get a spell off, a good spell. A good spell, can... a couple of hacks with the... With a dagger. With yeah. a dagger. You know, I think a dagger is probably only a D4, but you get a good good couple pops in there. And maybe maybe if the, the wizard is consciously choosing to cut away at the hand, you roll a percentage or just a, a straight luck check to see if it, it drops it or at least loosens enough on the neck that, that they can breathe and scream for help. Exactly. Along just a those horse lines. scream or something. Yeah. But the idea of the snatch and grab, yes, there will most likely be combat unless the choker has like a really good role or something because presumably they get a surprise attack if they didn't notice it. Yep. So that's a that's a free hit from the choker right there. Then you roll initiative. Then you have to go through. So that wizard is going to be whittled away very quickly. Okay, that makes sense because you can do – that brings it back to – the kind of secret roles and the secret uh, notes passing back and forth. Mm-hmm. You can say to everyone, just literally have them roll perception checks at random and then send a note, whether it's a physical note or a text message or something to that last person in line and says, your role is not perception. Your role is initiative. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. And then just see how that turns out. And if it turns out that his initiative is astronomically good then you can play the combat like that if his initiative is bad then then you send the the next message that says yep he he got you you're you're 
knocked out cold and you're being spirited away. Yeah. But you need to keep rolling so that nobody knows. You're not dead, but you're not conscious. But whenever I tell people to roll perceptions, you need to roll a perception too. Yes. You know, your DC will be different. I will always say you don't see anything. <laughs> but, Correct. Or or you lump it in and say and address the group with fluffy McStuffins, high perception. You guys all see blank. Correct. Yeah, you're you're almost giving them a group perception at that point, mm. and then you just you just subtract the wizards from that if you're doing it. But and and maybe maybe say the person second to last in line, maybe they do have a really high perception and maybe they do notice at one point that the wizard is missing. I would make their DC for noticing that a little bit higher than everyone else's if they're next in line. Higher or lower? Or lower. So okay. a better chance of them. Oh, so, yeah. Yeah. I mean, unless they're wearing slippers, you could hear their footfalls. Oh, that's a good point. That's a good point. But but there are presumably people in armor. So there's clanging. There's oh, a, yeah, There true. are two to three other sets of footprints. Things are echoing. There's a lot of ambient noise in there for yeah. sure. You're right. Yeah. But yeah, that's they would definitely get, get a bonus to that. Or the, uh, like you said, their DC would be lower. And then eventually somehow it all comes back and they find the wizard. They go to get the big bad. You don't want to leave the wizard away for too long. You don't want to leave him apart. I, I would probably... Either make that the very end of that session for the day. Okay. Or, or depending on where it falls, at least have them reunite with the wizard or see the wizard alive again by the end of that session. Maybe, maybe that's your kicker at the end is you, you come into this, this chamber that's been carved and polished in the stone and on an altar wrapped up in the arms of a choker being held down is is spell blast the unholy whatever <laughs> insert random name here yeah so they they get all the way to this this big antechamber and without realizing that the wizard isn't with them because yeah. presumably oh my if, God. yes that's even better presumably yeah. if they they notice that the wizard's not there they're going to backtrack that's true yeah so they make it all the way here without noticing. They get there, and then obviously once they get to this chamber, they, they're going to kind of spread out. They're going to kind of take stock of things before they, they move into whatever this encounter is most likely going to be. That's when they notice that the wizard's not there. Everybody turns to each other and say, where the hell is Spelly McSpellblast? Yeah. And then they look at the front altar of this giant room and... He's there with a choker just sitting on his chest, choking the life out of him. Yeah. That would be a good end point for a session. Yeah, a good closer, a good bump, yeah. Or, I mean, they could find out that he's missing and then somehow find him. Like, you can put this chamber wherever the heck you want. Oh, yeah. But the biggest challenge as the DM is how are you going to keep that party moving and get them to, to look for him or just keep going down the trail how are you going to get them to that room if they if they don't really have a way to track where the heck he went? You know, how are you going to push them in that way rather than just them being stonewalled and hitting their head against 
against the floor saying, what are we going to do? How are we going to find him? We can't go this way because that's leaving him. We can't go this way because we don't know where it leads. That's that's a trick. And maybe that that is a case-by-case basis in terms of your party based on what their decisions are. Yeah, I think the, the a way you could do that is you make going backwards impossible. Mm. Either through a creature, maybe it's a large, you know, they're presumably what, level one, two, three. You put something yeah. behind them that is way beyond their scope of, of defeating. It's got that red skull over its health bar. Yeah. So that they, yeah. even if they wanted to go back for the wizard, they would be sacrificing themselves just to look for him. Yeah, without without being guaranteed that he's that way. Exactly. However, that that might be one of those things where you have a party that's like, I don't care. We're going to go back anyway because we don't want the wizard to be facing this alone. Right. They don't know. Yeah. Yeah. So the other thing is cr- putting an obstacle. Maybe they're going through these doorways, and that's where the, the choker grabs the wizard. But each time they pass a doorway, a stone door just comes in and just fills yeah. that spot. And it's not a it's literally just like a stone block. It's not a door that they can open. Right. And that you establish long before the wizard is taken. Oh yes. Yeah. The other thought that that made me think that maybe in the struggle of the choker grabbing the wizard, it causes a cave in that collapses just that doorway where it was perched in. But then they then you're leading them to think, oh, he's on that other side of the door. So they'll they'll immediately turn around and be like, oh, oh, the wizard is missing. Oh, he must be right back there. He got cut off from us. And then they're going to want to dig it out. And that's a tough one. That literally just happened in the game I was running. Oh, really? Yeah. There was a big cave-in. Finn was on one side of the cave-in. Everybody was on the other side. And... Even though the party knew that Finn wasn't going to be part of this this section of the adventure, they still dug for him because that's what you do. Yeah, it's so hard to balance that meta versus the party decision, you know, the player decision. Exactly. It's so hard and 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 maybe that's on is that on the DM to make that to make them not have that decision, but how do you just say like and you know you can't dig this out? You know, something like that. That's a DM conundrum right there. And it, it, it really, I do think a lot of it depends on the party makeup and the party decisions on on a decision-by-decision basis. Yeah, that's one of the, the things about Dungeons & Dragons is that you're, you can have a plethora of written material, which you physically do. Yeah. And it's still not going to account for every single decision that the party that you're playing with is going to make. Yeah. You could have everything on paper, theoretical and, and, and never be fully prepared. There will be <laughs> curveballs out the wazoo. So many curveballs. All right, Matt, for the choker, how many naked halflings would you give the choker? Okay. I have the number in mind. I think this is going to surprise you. I was going to say five. Yes. Yes. Five. Yes. Nailed it. Okay. We're getting there. I like the choker. It's pretty cool. I think it's a lot like there was a another standard third tier D&D monster that we we actually dug into and, and explored that 
really impressed us. And I don't remember which one that was. I know we've done so many at this point. I think the big thing that hits home to me right off the bat was that it's, it is just so different than I thought it was. I thought it was just like a long limbed medium sized creature. Yeah. Very benign, nothing, nothing to do, but just the, the fact that it's a size smaller, that it has no bones in its arms and legs. Like it's yeah. very, it's a very cool creature and it's a very cool thing to have, you know, first thing in that dungeon that they're going to encounter. Yeah. The last one was the, the grell that we were really impressed with. Oh yeah. The, the brain with the tentacles and the yep. beak and their society just was really cool. Okay. Wow. That is, that is a five for the choker. I think that's the peak because we couldn't go much further with it in terms of like overall development, story arc, things like that. But five is, that's pretty good for the, for the choker. Yeah. Though the, the story development that we were talking about with it being your kind of slightly evil NPC like that. Oh, that's true. Yeah. Which is what pushes it to that five. I think. Yeah. I like that. I like that. Either that option or the disappearing wizard, but the the disappearing wizard has a couple of loopholes that we got to figure out. Yep. So that's it for this week. Thank you for listening to Random Encounters. Do me a favor and come on back next week for another episode where Matt and I will talk a random monster from a random monster manual. Thank you so much for listening. Goodbye. Hey, Random Encounters is a proud member of the Feckless Momes Audio Network.